Welcome to Vinyasa in Verse, the podcast where we connect mind, body, and spirit through poetry and practice. I'm Leslie Ann Hobayan. Together, we'll explore different ways of connecting with our innermost selves and how to tap into the flow of the universe. Because once that happens, anything is possible. Your best life starts now. Hello, loves. Welcome to another episode of Vinyasa in Verse. How are you on this beautiful day? Wherever you are, I hope that you are able to capture just a moment of beauty, a moment of feeling really alive, whether it is looking out your window to see nature, or depending on where you're at, maybe you're looking at a brick wall, I don't know, um, or in the breath. Always come back to the breath, come back to the body and feel in your body, feel the sensations of the body and check in and say, hey, body, how are you? Oh, so it's been uh, some time. It feels like a long time since a new episode has dropped. And that's because August has been quite a ride for me. Um, And plus a lot of people are away doing their vacation thing, capturing the last bits of summer. And so uh, I took some time to recalibrate, to ground in and come back to myself, which is what I talk about a lot. So it would make sense that I practice the things that I teach and I preach and I talk about. Um, Before we move into today's episode, of course, we will open today with a poem by Hafez, our great Sufi mystic poet, and the Oracle of Poems. I love this book, The Gift. And so here we go. Hear the ruffle pages. Here we go. Oh, well, that's interesting. We can go with this poem called Damn Thirsty. First, the fish needs to say, Something ain't right about this camel ride, and I'm feeling so damn thirsty. <laughs> I love this poem. I've I've come across this poem a few times, and... um. Basically, what Hafez is talking about is how can you, well, there's a few different ways of reading it, but the one that comes to mind right now, and I'll go through a few of the other ways of looking at it. The first one that came forward for me was how can you help others if you can't even help yourself, right? So there are those of us who are so interested in helping people see their flaws, in helping people evolve and helping people heal. But how can we do that if we can't do that very work on ourselves? So in order for us to offer something of service, it would be so powerful for each of us to first turn our gaze within, to look at ourselves and to ask ourselves, okay, if I want to offer this thing before I do that, what is happening within me that might need a little bit of development, a little bit of cleaning, a little bit of healing, a little bit of releasing. And so with this poem, Hafez is saying, you know, first, before the fish can really understand that he's out of his natural element, out of his habitat. He's got to be present in the moment, in the now moment to understand, oh, wait a minute, I'm not even in the water. Like first, let me look around. Let me check in with the now and say, hey, wait, you want to, I'm really thirsty. Like, why is that? Why am I thirsty? You know, and so 
conversely or relatedly, we can ask ourselves, you know, why am I so frustrated? Why am I so angry? Why am I constantly shouting at people or yelling at people? Like, what's going on inside of me that is creating this response in me? So the fish is thirsty. Fish is like, I don't know what's going on. I'm on a camel. I'm riding the camel. And I'm thirsty. He doesn't even realize, or she doesn't realize, that there's something wrong with this picture. Fish don't ride camels. Fish don't go on land. Fish are in the water all the time. And so the first step is awareness, self-awareness, to go within and ask ourselves, what is need in need of a little more clarity, in need of maybe some checking in? We'll start with that right? And once we move from self-awareness, then we can go into the work of, all right, now that I see this, now that I'm aware of it, what's the next step? What's the next inspired action? What do I feel called to do? So for example, my neighbor across the street yells a lot at his kids. And the way that our neighborhood is built. And I don't know if this wasn't intentional, but just the the lay of the land, we'll say. Um, the way the, the homes are set up, the trees, the landscaping, all that stuff. It's like a megaphone. <laughs> Everything gets amplified in this little grouping of homes of, I want to say, let's see, maybe six homes, right? And so whenever he is speaking, I can hear it across the street as if he were in the room with me. Now, if he's yelling, you can only imagine how much louder that is. So he yells a lot at his kids. And um, as a healer, (laughs) as one who is doing the inner work on herself and understanding where my own frustration comes from and its source, When I hear him yelling at his kids, my thinking is that he's hurt, that he's got a lot of unhealed pain, unhealed trauma. And he is, he doesn't know that, you know, but he is um, taking it out on his kids and, and continuing the cycle because then the kids start yelling at each other, start yelling at people at school um, and so on and so forth. And so the cycle can be paused, if not fully broken, through self-awareness as the starting point, Um, to take some time to reflect within, because we live in a world where everyone wants to point the finger at somebody else. There's this um, phrase that a lot of people say, um, and it's it's said so often that it's automatic, but if you stop and think about it and really listen to the words, you're like, how is that even possible? So the phrase is, you made me, right? So you made me angry, or you made me drop the phone, or you made me do this, you made me do that. Really, when it comes down to it, no one can make you do anything. Now, of course, 
of course, there are extreme circumstances, you know, someone holding a gun to your head, they might be wielding more power over you. Uh, but ultimately you choose, do I do the thing that this person wants me to do out of my safety, out of preserving my life, or I can choose otherwise, you know, but we're not going to get down to, to that kind of extreme example. We're just going to talk about everyday interactions with people, you know, oh, that person cut me off in, in the road and they made me mad. Now my day is ruined. I mean, how many of us say that? I mean, is it true? I mean, you're putting the blame on somebody else. You're giving your power away. You are letting their actions dictate the rest of your day. I mean, wow, that's a lot of power you're giving away. So what if instead it was, oh, that person just cut me off. Let me be aware of my response. You know, maybe my response is, oh, that jerk can't believe he cut me off. I wasn't doing anything wrong, you know, but maybe being aware of that response of being privy to the anger that's coming out and then asking yourself, if you've cultivated this practice of self-awareness to then ask yourself, and this is the next step to ask yourself, where is that anger coming from? Is that anger really about that person? More often than not, not, <laughs> no. It's not really coming from that person. It's coming from a dissatisfaction from within. So when we get angry or frustrated by other people, you know, first of all, you can't say that they made you angry or frustrated or, you know, whatever. You made me yell at you. No, that's, I mean, talk about blaming. Jeez. Blaming is just deflecting our responsibility for our responses, for our actions, for our thoughts. And so what if we shifted away from blame into, okay, wait, here's my response. Here's how I'm acting. What is that about? What's the root? What's the source? You know? So for example, earlier today, I um, taught some yoga at my local studio and it was a fantastic class. It was really great. And, um, and I'm not saying because I'm an awesome teacher, just when I say a class is great, it usually is due to the energy and the dynamics of the class itself. You know, the music playlist was great. I put a new playlist together, felt good about it. The sequence, the movements, all awesome, felt great. The people were great. And um, yeah, it was just like magic. And then I came home and my kids are not yet in school. They haven't started at school yet. They, they start in a few days. Um, but my thinking, you know, this is the, the ego me and the programming that comes with after Labor Day, everything starts up again, right? There's no more relaxing. Let's get back into the doing. It's Labor, Labor Day is over. Now we get back to the grind, you know, and I'm working on this, but I come home my oldest is sitting on the couch watching TV and it is beautiful outside. It is sunny, low humidity, mid seventies. I mean, come on, you're inside watching TV, like be outside, lay a blanket down on the grass. And if you're going to do nothing, 
lay on the grass and look at the sky and just zone out. If you got to be on your phone, okay, but be outside. Enjoy the fresh air. You know, so I got frustrated and then I started yelling and <laughs> and I was like, I don't even know where this yelling is coming from because I had a great class. And so I was like, either you go outside or you clean your room because I want her to have a room that feels set up for success for the new school year. And (laughs) of course we can go into the whole, like, are you controlling her? Like maybe she doesn't want her room neat, but as a parent, you do need to teach them ways in which they can create systems for success. And success of course looks different for everybody, but I know with this particular one, organization really helps her focus better. And right now there are clothes everywhere. And so instead of being encouraging, I just barked orders at her because I was feeling frustrated and angry. Um, And I was like, go, you know, clean your room, blah, blah, blah. So all ego, of course. And the whole time it's happening, my higher self, my inner self, my inner wisdom, my intuition, my inner knowing is asking the question, where is this coming from? What on earth? I mean, I'm sure like my kids were like looking at me like, wait a minute, you just taught yoga and now you're yelling. We're confused. (laughs) So I was like, all right, I need to get some alone time. I need to get quiet and investigate what is behind all of that frustration and that anger. And so what I discovered was that it's because I was feeling, I was not feeling, but I was putting pressure on myself to do, 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 create, 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 you know, check off all the boxes, get organized. Um, But then also working from a scarcity mindset with regard to time. You know, I started this, um, (laughs) I'm starting this two week time study. And what it is, is that I will be tracking how I use my time throughout the day for the next two weeks, just to kind of see, you know, where the gaps are and not in terms of productivity. And I think that's what's frustrating me right now is that the old me, the type A, the recovering type A personality wants to track the time to see just how productive I am. And in my book, productivity equals doing. So what actions am I taking? You know, and so this is the tricky part about doing this time study for me is I've got this self-awareness that I have these tendencies to want to do things. Being is a work in progress. I talk about it all the time on this podcast, how important it is to just be, to be present, to be in this now moment, to listen to your intuitive self, your your most authentic self. But again, I'm a work in progress. And so the doing is the default because I've been doing for so long. You know, that's some conditioning that I'm working on letting go and putting some new patterns into place, but that takes time. So the tricky part of this time study is that I don't get wrapped up in the doing 
I will look at my statistics by the end of the two weeks, see how I spend my time. Hopefully laying around is in there somewhere, (laughs) or at least fun. One category I have in there is fun. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I, but what's happening, so the time study is only, I'm only a couple days in and already I'm seeing that old habit of, I need to be productive. I'm tracking my time. I need to be productive. I need to show, like, I don't know who I'm showing this time study to. Like, it's not an assignment. It's not, you know, I got to show it to somebody to prove to somebody that I'm doing all the things and I'm working hard and blah, 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 whatever. You know, I'm not looking to show that to anybody, but um, I'm doing the time study because I really want to track how I'm using my time and I want to be better about it in terms of balancing the doing and the being. And I think that intention just needs to come out more as I move through this, um, this time study. So my frustration in doing was then projected onto my oldest, you know, like she's sitting around watching TV and here I am running around, you know, like a, on a hamster wheel doing, 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 and feeling like I'm not doing enough, or if I'm doing something that you need to be doing something. Um, there's also, well, I do all the things. Can you at least help me out with the rest of the doing? And it's hard. I mean, this whole personal development, spiritual development thing, the the releasing of conditioning is work, you know, and it's, and it's a prog, uh, a process, a lifelong journey. And I know that, but there are some days where I'm less forgiving of that, but I have to, you know, remind myself to be kind and to be gentle. And so I'm offering this to you as a way for you to look at your own life, as a way for you to ask yourself, all right, what is it that I want most out of life. And I don't mean, you know, like what's the big goal or anything like that. Like for most of us, we want to be happy. We want to be happy doing whatever it is that we're doing, being whoever we're being. We want to not have to worry about finances. We want to be able to have a schedule that, you know, makes us feel nourished and supported and celebrated and lots of fun. You know, we want to spend time with people that light us up. We want to do the things that light us up. And part of working towards that is to examine what's happening within. And so for me today, I'm offering my experience right now as a model or as an example for you so that you're able to possibly apply it to your own life, at least inquire right? To at least go within. But what I'm looking at now, as I am self-aware, is I am working my way back to presence in the now, presence in my most authentic self. Because August was, there was just a lot going on in August for me. And along the way, some of my daily practices fell to the wayside. Meditations were shorter. I didn't, I kind of just went through the motions on some days. Sometimes I'd never set an intention, which really 
intention without meditation. A meditation without intention doesn't feel great. Um, it's like, why are you showing up for meditation? I mean, you can be, the intention can be like, I want to receive any messages or, or whatever, but I would just sit there and then I'd lose my way. And so August has been a, uh, an interesting month of sliding into old habits. Um, and so with the new, the second new year, we'll call it, I am starting fresh and wanting to get back to my practices, get back to me, get back to intentional being. And I think that's where I lost my way. Being intentional in who I'm being and how I'm being and the choices that I make has, uh, yeah, has just kind of fallen to the wayside. Um, I got wrapped up in a lot of 3D stuff, you know? Um, And so I invite you to use this week as a way to recalibrate, to come back to yourself, to tune into self-awareness, to maybe just track the patterns. You don't have to do a time study. (laughs) You don't have to track your time. It might drive you crazy, but maybe just to track any patterns you have over responses to certain things that happen in your life. Because ultimately, we are co-creating our reality. And how we are on the inside reflects everything on the outside. I don't know if I said that very well. (laughs) The, The quality, the condition, the health of our inner world is shown to us in the external world. So for example, um, I don't know. I don't have any examples that come to mind right now. I have like a whole bunch of other things. So let's say, hmm, for example, you feel that you are not worthy, right? And maybe you don't even know that you have this feeling about yourself, this mindset about yourself, but you don't feel worthy in general. And you really, really want this job that you've applied for. It's your dream job. You know, you've worked so hard to get the certifications, to get the experience, to get the accolades. And now here it is, the moment of truth this job is your dream job and you apply for it. And deep down inside, you're like, it's too good to be true. There's no way they would pick me. I I don't think I'm worthy of that. Like, you know, this is totally what I want, but yeah, I don't, no, I don't, I don't have enough experience. I don't have enough you know, I need more accolades or I need more years of experience, whatever it is. These are the excuses we give ourselves to express our unworthiness. And so what happens? Go through the application process. It's down to you and another candidate and the other candidate gets the job. And you say to yourself, see, I knew it. I didn't have a chance. Knew it was too good to be true. Yeah, totally. Yep. Knew what's going to happen. Why did I waste my time even doing that? It's because your mindset was already there. 
And so on the inside, you already imagined not getting the job because you didn't think you were worthy. And so the universe is like, all right, subconscious is like, all right, that's what you desire. We're going to fulfill the request. You don't want the job. You're not going to get the job. And so your internal world already has decided that you're not getting the job. So the external world catches up and says, okay, you're not going to get the job. What we believe becomes our reality. We will look for evidence for things to prove us right every time. Our subconscious looks for evidence to prove us right every time. And so we need to cultivate, going back to the self-awareness, cultivate self-awareness so that we can track the patterns. And once we've gotten pretty good at that, or at least we have some self-awareness, we can create space between how we are thinking and us observing that thinking. Can we then change or shift that thinking into what we really want and what we really believe? I mean, this is all very deep inner work, subconscious work. So the things that I'm saying are great. And if you try to apply them with positive affirmations, you may get frustrated. That's just a caveat. That's just, you know, something I want to let you know about. It's, it's not just a matter of positive affirmations. Of course, positive affirmations help, right? But a lot of the conditioning is at the subconscious and so, and even unconscious. And so we need to go deeper into the healing. We need to go into layers beyond just what our brains are thinking, And there are different ways to do that, but we're not going to talk about that now because I want to focus on just the first step. I don't want to overwhelm you with all these things, unless this is something that you're already familiar with. And if you want to take it further, there's work you can do with, let's say, Yoga Nidra. Yoga Nidra is an excellent way to get down into the subconscious and do some cleaning up, (laughs) but it depends on who's, you know, leading the session. Yoga Nidra is a beautiful way for the body to rest while the subconscious is able to just let go of the stuff that no longer serves us, but it all depends on the facilitator and what kind of guidance they give you in the meditation. And there's some other mindset work Um, there's also breath work, lots of different healing modalities, but ultimately it is about healing. And I know that a lot of us are probably tired of the word healing. It's like, oh, here we go. Healing again, healing again. But you know, depending on how long you've lived in this life, there are so many layers of hurt and trauma before we even became conscious of these things. So we need to cut cut ourselves some slack to understand that our, our healing journey is lifelong. And just when you think you've healed, another layer comes up, another wound comes up and it shows up differently. You know, it's not always going to be the same thing, 
But if it does show up as the same thing, that's when you pick up the patterns. You know, if it shows up as anger, like you made me angry because you did this. I can't believe that guy cut me off. And now I'm angry and now my whole day is ruined. If you see that pattern over and over and over again, that's an invitation to say, hey, what's here? What's at the root of this? And what is the lesson that I can learn from this? Because once you learn that lesson, the universe says, oh, good. That lesson's learned. Cool. We'll move on to the next lesson. And then you'll see another pattern pop up that that is waiting for you to address and heal and release So if you're tired of healing, we got some work to do. (laughs) Healing is ongoing, but healing can also be fun and it can be gentle. And if the word healing is like something that you're like, oh, I'm just tired of the word. I can come up with other words for you. You know, rejuvenation, rebirth, joy, all those kinds of things. So what I want you to take away from this episode is first to create self-awareness around patterns because we're at a point now in the collective in humanity because of the pandemic we're at a point now where these ideas of the collective consciousness of energetics of healing All that spiritual stuff is now mainstream. It's now in the forefront. So this is not weird as much as it used to be, which is a good thing. But to ask yourself, what is it that you are doing in this life? What is it that can make you feel like you are living your best life? And I think healing has a large part in that. Self-awareness, identify the roots, find ways to address and heal those wounds, and then let it go. And then watch the universe co-create with you the life that you really, truly want. Because what is desired by you is destined for you remember that. All right, my friends, that's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. (laughs) I know. And so I'm going to close our episode with a poem from The World I Leave You, Asian American Poets on Faith and Spirit. But before I do that, I just wanted to drop in a little note to say that we are working on revamping the podcast because we want to add a little sass, sassafras to, um, (laughs) to our content and kind of want to freshen it up with some new intro music. So I'm really looking forward to it. So new episodes, new look going to drop soon. If not next week, then the week after, I just got to check in with my team and see where we're at with things, but I'm really excited. And, um, Ooh, I got some juicy, juicy, juicy guests coming up as well. All right. So here we go. Okay. The world I leave you. Let's see what poems come forward here. Ooh, this is a poem by Priti Kar Rajpal. 
It's called Dirge After Oak Creek, but before Charleston, somewhere between. America, enter. The Gardwara door is open. Our bare feet like cracked glass. Our covered heads bulletproof from ego. We turn our backs on Bellingham, build our gardwaras, gurdwaras from post-traumatic cinder of bombed Birmingham Black Church. Nina Simone sings, Terra Bana Mitha Lage. May your will taste sweet to me, to tune of Mississippi Goddamn. Gunpowder lines, noses of children who ran, women who hid in the Langar kitchen closet, holy men who sing praise and wind. The FBI pushes, publishes a white paper. He acted alone, of course. The love that forgives, a lullaby which sears obedient into a bittering lemon. Hmm. Oof. That one was deep. Powerful. All right, my friends. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And until next time, the divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Namaste. Healing is so necessary for women writers of color. Whether we know it or not, our traumas hold us back from expressing and becoming our truest selves. How can we be more present to this? How can we create new ways of understanding our hurts so that we can heal them and step into our life's purpose with radiance? Follow me on Instagram for messages of healing and support as you walk this journey that brings you home to yourself. Find me at this handle, at Surya Gyan Yogi, S-U-R-Y-A-G-I-A-N-Y-O-G-I. Or visit my website to learn more at suryagyan.com. Your best healed life starts now.